Well, good morning, Taze Valley, second service worshipers and uh, first service liars. It's good to have you here, whichever service that you intended to um, uh, attend. We're glad that you made it, and I'm very thankful to be here. Thank you for inviting me to return and, and speak again. This is my second occasion to have the honor of speaking here. It's always kind for a congregation to invite a guest preacher like myself uh, to come in and speak, but it's even better when they re-invite you to come back a second time. And uh, The first time, they didn't really know what they were getting, and uh, the second time, you know, maybe there's something worthwhile and, and maybe catch something I missed the first time, and we're, we're glad that uh, we're all able to be here this morning. Lynn and I are invested in this congregation um, my wife is back there. I'm Gus uh, Andrews, and Lynn's maiden name was Nutter, and we were both two of the families of the original Gateway Church down in St. Albans, West Virginia. Uh, back in those days, uh, Gateway had quite the young people's group between the Andrews and the Nutters and the Templetons and the Ransons. You had about 25 kids already in the youth group. Many of us intermarried among each other um, Better than intermarrying among the holler that you were born in, we intermarried among the church that we uh, we worship. And uh, now Lynn and I have returned after 46 years of uh, ministry away. We left in 1975, and now we've returned back to the home stomping grounds. And it's delightful, very delightful to see what Gateway's done in our absence. Uh, the Gateway Home Church in St. Albans has just grown by gangbuster. You know, we left, they were running 180, and I, I don't know, they run 800 now or something now, and three other campuses involved, including this congregation. And my wife and I, uh, we were early supporters of this movement to start a congregation in Taze Valley. And uh, I think last time I was here, I spoke some of that, so I won't go through all that again, but our hearts are really with you. Uh, I went to school right down the road. You'll hear of that a little later in the message. But I had a lot of my school buddies that uh, did not, in their school years, come to the Lord. Uh, a few of them did. And I, I enjoyed uh, watching them uh, give their lives to following Christ. But uh, most of them did not. And I've been praying that this congregation would reach out to many of them. And it has, as well as some other congregations. And many of them have come to follow Jesus too and it's really neat to see some of your old schoolmates who uh, who used to name the name of Jesus many times in their school years but it was not properly used you know and now they are worshiping Jesus just as we are and follow I mean it's just great it's a it's a great blessing for me to be able to see and some of you individuals I've, I've got uh, some individuals here this morning that I have very very close ties to I did an early service too and uh, I see Jay back there Jay was one of my college roommates and was actually the best man in our wedding uh, <clears throat> We succeeded regardless, Jay. Just want you to know it, it's been a good, good marriage, uh, even though you were involved in that. Uh, but uh, I, actually, in the first service, um, one of the early girls that I dated was also in the early service, which was a very interesting moment. Um, I was talking to my wife before the first service began, and uh, Ruth. Ruthie came over and sat down beside my wife, and they were conversing. 
And I, had, I was talking to another gentleman, doing my best to keep a conversation going with him, but I was really listening to see what an old flame was saying to my wife over here. And, and she was such a Christian young lady when I dated her, and I hope she'd say that I was a Christian young man as well. But uh, I just have a lot of ties within this congregation, uh, and most of them go back, back to the St. Albans days, but uh, regardless... Uh, like Red Green says, one of my heroes on TV, you know, uh, we're all in this together, you know, keep your stick on ice. And I, I, I just pray for your faithfulness and, and your continued blessings uh, by the Lord. This morning we're going to talk about uh, a faith that works. And we're going to see that a faith that works is a faith that's put into practice. That unless you put your faith into practice, it really doesn't work. For a faith to work, you have to put it into practice. Let's pray as we begin this message. Lord, thank you for giving us this church family to attend to today. And uh, it's a privilege, an honor, not just for me, but I would pray it would be for all of us here, a blessing that some people in the world are going without on this day. But here we get to meet with brothers and sisters, and we get to sing together and and be led in worship in a way that... uh, uh, we, we could not sing as well on our own, and um, to read Scripture even together uh, off the screen and to be able to consider the Word that you want to implant upon our hearts this morning and to even hold each other accountable for uh, applying that Word and letting it grow to fruition in our hearts so that our lives actually put this faith into practice. And we pray, Lord, you would see us practicing our faith even better because of our time here this morning, uh, but also that the world might see Jesus in us making that kind of life change and might cause some of them to consider putting Jesus in their life as well. That's our prayer, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. God's people said, amen. Well, recently I heard about two lovebirds, Mary and Johnny, who were sitting on a moonlit bench on a fresh uh, springtime uh, romantic flower-fragrant day. And that's when Johnny spoke up. And Johnny said, Mary, if you weren't what you is, what would you be? And Mary said, oh, Johnny, I'd be an American beauty queen. And Mary turned the question on Johnny and said, and Johnny, if you weren't what you is, what would you be? And Johnny said, an octopus. And Mary said, an octopus? What's an octopus? And Johnny said, an octopus is a critter that's got a thousand arms. And Mary's blue eyes brightened as she said, and if you were an octopus, Johnny, what would you do with all those arms? And Johnny said, why, Mary, I'd put every one of them around you. And Mary said, you stop your foolish talk, Johnny. You ain't even using the two good arms you got. (laughs) That's really what we're talking about here this morning. Putting our faith into practice and actually using what you got. And what we got that James is going to talk about this morning is what my old junior high gym coach used to tell us we got as well. We got two ears 
and one mouth. And the reason the Lord created us that way, He wanted us to do twice the listening as the talking, which is very near to what James is going to say this morning as well. He's going to say, know this, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to what? To hear. That word uh, quick is from the Greek word takus, from which we get our word tachometer, the measuring tool uh, to measure how fast an engine is revving, uh, how many revolutions it's, it's doing, and how, how quickly. And James is saying, know this, my brothers, we need to be revving up our hearing and slowing down our what? Our talking. Uh, we ought to be slow to speak. Fast to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not, does not produce the righteousness of God. In fact, in chapter 3, uh, James is going to go into this great big spiel about what an angry tongue does produce. He's going to compare an out-of-control tongue to a little spark that ends up burning down a whole forest. In verse 5, he says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Now think of all the damage that has been done in your family and in mine simply by an out-of-control tongue. Things that were said that didn't have to be said. Things that were texted and posted and reposted and liked and disliked that could have been ignored. And things would be so much better now. Now many of us would benefit from um, a little gadget that a preacher saw in the Bell Laboratories on an engineer's desk uh, in California. Uh, when, he, when he walked in, uh, he noticed this little wooden box. It was actually <laughs> a little coffin about the size of a cigar box. And on the side of the box was a single switch. And of course, the preacher asked, what, what's that all about? And the engineer said, well, every time I'm getting ready to say something I might regret, I flip that switch. And, a, and he flipped the switch, and a buzzing sound goes off, and the lid to the coffin opens up. And a bony hand reaches out of the coffin and reaches down and turns that switch off. The buzzing stops and goes back in the box just a little. It's a machine that does nothing but turn itself off. Do you know how many of us would benefit from having a gadget like that? 
If every time we were about to open our mouths and let something come out that shouldn't come out, or every time we're about to let our fingers do the walking and, and spew some comment in a text box, if instead we just take a second to flip that switch and activate a buzzer, raise a lid, and watch a bony finger come out and switch that whole thing off, we would be a lot better off. There are a whole lot of things said that don't need to be said. Amen? That needs to be thought about before you just throw it out there like a hand grenade and wait to see how much damage it does. Think of this. Chris Rock had a whole year to think about how he would respond to Will Smith's slap that was heard around the world. And all he could think of was a profanity-laced comedy routine that really wasn't all that funny. And that really just added more fuel to that fire. And if I remember right, that whole slapping business started because of some words that were said, right? That didn't need to be said. Now, the wisest person who ever lived said this. He said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. That's a beautiful phrase. That's a fitting word right there, you know. That's poetic. A fitting word, uh, well spoken, is like uh, apples of gold in a setting of silver. But the same man also said this, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. That's got a ring to it, doesn't it? A woman who shows no discretion. A woman who has no on-off switch. Anyone know anyone like that? Born without a switch. Who just opens her mouth and lets her fly. Anyone willing to admit to being a person like that? Willing to admit that you need to pay more attention to what the Bible says in our focus verse this morning. Let no corrupting talk come out of your what? Mouth. Or if I can add nowadays, out of your fingertips. But only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What is grace? Unmerited undeserved favor. Well, that person doesn't deserve to, to have a kind word spoke to them. That's right. That's what grace is. It's giving someone the kind word that doesn't deserve the kind word. They're getting ready to hear from you. We could all benefit by putting more of our faith into action by what I'm calling using what we got. And what we got is two ears and one mouth. And we need to listen better. If you're filling out that outline this morning, we need to develop better listening skills. And I think uh, Dave in his outline, he's going to talk about um, 
really uh, actively listening. You're looking the person in the eye, repeating back what they said to make sure you got it right, asking questions if you have any doubt. Really care about what you hear rather than thinking about what you're going to say. We could all put our faith more into practice by listening better and by what Dave is calling looking better as well. Uh, Now, by that, we aren't talking about trying to make ourselves better looking. Uh, For some of us, that ship sailed a long time ago. We've only got what we've got. But that's not what James is talking about. James is talking about looking better, looking deeper into God's Word as to how the Christian life is supposed to be lived, and then looking at ourselves to see if that's the way we're actually living it. Not just using what we got, but doing what we ought. And here I'm going to read what James says from the New English translation because I think it helps us better understand the illustration that, uh, that he uses than the the English Standard Translation does. But uh, regardless, in James one twenty one in the New English Translation, it, sa- it says this. So put away all filth and evil excess. Now he's talking about talking. Put away all filth and evil excess. That's all those times you should have switched the switch off. And welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. Welcome this message. But be sure you live out the message, and do not merely listen to it, and so deceive yourselves. Now all of you are very attentive at this moment, and you're all listening at this moment. But you could also be deceiving yourself at this moment. Because all you're doing is listening. James goes on to say, For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he's like someone who gazes at his own face in the mirror. And this is where using this newer translation helps you understand a little clearer James's illustration. That word, he gazes at his own face. Karanaeo uh, is the Greek word, and it, it simply means to consider something. He, uh, <clears throat> he takes a gander at himself in a mirror. He, he considers it. Uh, how many of you have a mirror uh, beside your door on the way out? Just where you can take a gl- one final glance, you know, to see if everything's in its, in its place. I mean, you, don't, you don't stop and put your makeup on there. You just... You're on your way out the door, and you, you, I actually have two of those mirrors. I have one out the bedroom door, and I had one at the carport door, uh, because when you got what I got, it, it helps to take two glances instead of one. But it's, it's no place to spend your time. It's a place where you're, you're passing through, and you take, you take a glance at it. In fact, uh, Dave, in his sermon this morning, I think he's going to talk about walking through the mall, and uh, as you walk through the hallways of the mall, you, you see your own reflection sometimes in the plate 
glass on either side of you. You really don't stop and, and look unless you're the fawns or something. You don't, I mean, but, but you can tell you're there. You know, you can kind of tell if your shirt's tail's out, you know. Uh, you, you just, it's just kind of a glance. It's not a place to stick around. And, and that's what James is talking about. If someone is merely listening, as you're doing this morning, to the message, and then you're not going out and living it, it's not changing, it's not changing your conversational style at all then it's kind of like someone who's just gazing at his face in the mirror. Uh, for he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. It, it doesn't change him. But the one who peers, and there's a different Greek word. This is parkupto. This means to to stoop down and look alongside something carefully. Scopus is the, is the root word from which we get microscope. Someone who's looking carefully, who's peering down, studying what God's Word has to say, and then comparing it to the life that he's living. That person, he takes the closer look and he fixes his attention upon God's word and what needs attention in his life. He does not become a forgetful listener, but he lives it out. That's the person who will be blessed in what he does. And he's blessed because he takes a closer look at both his own life and at the way God's word says... His life is supposed to be lived. How many of you looked in the mirror before you left the house this morning? Versus how many of you leaned in and really looked and spent some time and changed some things? You know, we can tell which one of those two you are by looking. We can see who took time. It makes a difference. There's a difference between being here and seeing God's Word flashed up on the screen for a second or two. You know, it's gone now. We all saw it just a moment ago, right? Everybody see it? It's gone now. That's like a glance. That's like a flash. There's a difference in being here and seeing a Scripture verse or two flashed across the screens. And really being here and really looking into what is said here. And comparing it to the life that's being lived here and making whatever changes need to be made in your life because of it. Blessed is the man who looks that intently that way. And blessed is the man who sees the changes that need to be made and then makes them. That's what James is saying. Blessed is the man who puts his faith into action. Using what we got and doing what we ought. Looking, peering, studying, comparing, changing. And then last, refusing to do what we ought not. And by that, I mean we can choose as Americans to ignore everything James says to us this morning. We can choose to exercise our right of free speech, constitutionally guaranteed to every citizen, 
we can choose to just open up our mouths and let her fly with the rest of the world. But understand this, James says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? Worthless. You might as well not even be here. Why look at these verses flash up on the screen? Why carry a Bible or even read one? If you're not going to compare your life to the way God says your life is to be lived and make changes accordingly. Christians ought to be better listeners than the rest of the world. We ought to be better lookers than the rest of the world, looking seriously into God's Word. And we ought to use better language than the rest of the world as well, well when we do speak. And, and here we are talking about language skills. And if we don't think a person's language is such a big deal in the Christian life, we need to be reminded how it was Jesus who said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in here will come out here. You want to know what, what's in here? Just listen to what comes out here. It really is a telltale sign. There was a, a gal up north. Um, I, I preached there 32 years, so I was there the day she was born. I held her as... As a little tiny baby, I prayed with her mom and dad, whom I married. <clears throat> and uh, I prayed that the Lord would help mom and dad and the church raise this little one the way she should go so that when she's older, she'll not depart from it. And uh, We brought her to the church, prayed the same prayer. All through the years, we brought her up through Sunday school, children's church, vacation Bible school, took her to church camp just like I took her mom and dad to church camp. Uh, she got about into early 20s, and she asked me on Facebook if she could be my friend. Well, I thought she always was my friend, but I said, sure, you can be my friend, and then I started receiving all these posts from her. I can still remember this one post. Uh, Now, I guess she's talking to all of her friends. I I, I hope she wasn't posting it just for me. Uh, This would not be the type of thing I'd tell my preacher, but... She's posting for the whole world how she went to the ice cream store and that ice cream attendant only had one job, just one job. Her job was to give me the right scoop of ice cream and and look, I paid good money, good money, and she gave me the wrong color ice cream. What am I supposed to do with this wrong color ice cream cone? I wanted to tell her what she could do with that wrong colored ice cream cone. Now, fortunately, I flipped the switch. And the hand came out of the box and shut my conversation off before I said something that I might regret. The Christians, we we ought to be using better language than the rest of the world. This is not right what the rest of the world is saying. We certainly shouldn't use what they're doing as justification for us to do it too. There's so much ugly talk going around. Amen? Amen? Oh, that's ugly, ugly talk. And Christians certainly shouldn't be speaking like this. In fact, this is, this is why our moms used to say, if you can't find something good to say, don't, 
say anything at all, right? I mean, there's just no reason for all this ugly conversation. We need to stop it. Uh, We've probably all seen the television commercial now of the aged mom and grown son who are eating at Wendy's, and the grown son holds up one of Wendy's incredible French toast sticks with an enchanted smile on his face. He says, so sweet, so crispy. Nobody makes breakfast so good as Wendy's new home-style French toast sticks. And mom looks up at her grown son and says, nobody? And the son starts to say, no. And then he catches himself. And he realizes the mistake he's made, and he starts stuttering. No, no, no. And mom says, keep talking, I can't hear you. And finally the son stutters out, I, sh- I, should, I should probably s- stop. That's what James is talking about. When it's time to stop. And put a bridle on all this. Because what we are about to say is not in line with what God says. With how God says a religious life is supposed to be lived. James says it this way, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's the kind of language that God says Christians are to speak. A love language. A language where our actions will speak louder than our words. The last thing a Christian wants to be convicted of is being a big talker. You know what a big talker is, right? All words and no action. A big talker. That kind of religion, James says, is worthless. It's worthless. This isn't going to change the way you talk. Then all this is worthless. This isn't going to change the way you put your faith into action into a love language that can be seen, how you care for the unfortunate, then all this is worthless. There's no need for us to be here and be going through this. Which begs the question, how much is your religion worth? What's it really worth? How much is my religion worth? How much will what James says this morning change our lives this afternoon? We'll see. Maybe when the waiter messes up your order or the manager comes out and She asks how everything was. We'll see if James makes any difference. If God's word makes any difference in what comes out of your life.
And I know I'm going to show my age with this closing illustration from the June 1974 uh, issue of the Emergency Medicine Magazine. That's when I was just a senior down the road to Oregon High School. But that was the month that Dr. Martin J. Heimlich published an article, famous now, brand new then. Dr. Heimlich produced a, an article describing how a, a bear hug type maneuver from behind could save the life of a person choking on a piece of food. That same month, at a medical dinner meeting in Washington, D.C., a physician choked to death on a piece of food while a hundred other physicians watched. And there were many of them who had read the article describing the Heimlich maneuver only days before that dinner. But they just weren't ready to put what they had learned into practice. And a man died. Are we ready? Are we ready to put what we've learned this morning from God's Word into practice? That's the only kind of faith that really works. The faith that uses what you got, doing what you ought, refusing to do what you ought not. Who's ready this morning? I'm going to put feet to my faith. We'll see who you are. Or more in line with James's teaching this morning. We'll hear who you are. Will you put your faith into practice? Let's stand and have a word of prayer before we close here. Lord Jesus, there probably isn't very many people here who don't believe in your Father, our Father, which art in heaven. But you have told us in your word the devils also believe that and tremble. Help us believers to put our belief into practice and to do that by what we say and what we do and what we refuse to do. May you see in us fruit from the word your servant James implanted in our hearts this morning. And may the world see fruit too and hear us talking different, acting different. May they see Jesus in our lives. And may they consider choosing to bring Jesus into their life too. That's our prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. God's people said.